Welcome back to Bankruptcy 101. I'm your host, bankruptcy attorney Roger Kraft. And this is a podcast where I give you some of the basics about filing bankruptcy to help you better understand that process and how it works. And we'll be talking about some of the consequences associated with bankruptcy, good and bad. In this particular episode, we will be talking more about the meeting of creditors. What is the meeting of creditors? Well, if you file the bankruptcy, at some point you are going to hear this term. It's called a 341. And you may hear it from your attorney who says, hey, we've got a 341 coming up. Or at your 341, make sure you bring this. Or at your 341, do this or that. And you're going to be wondering, what is a 341? Where does that come from? So the 341 is just another way of saying your meeting of creditors. And it comes from the bankruptcy code in section 341 of that bankruptcy code. That's why it's referred to as a 341. So get used to hearing that. It can be used interchangeably. Your meeting of creditors or 341, it's one and the same thing. So let's talk about your 341 or that meeting of creditors. And when we're talking about the 341 today, we're going to be talking more about how it applies in a chapter 7 or a chapter 13. A 341 will still happen in other chapters of the bankruptcy code, chapter 9, chapter 11, chapter 11, subchapter 5, or chapter 12. But in those cases, the 341 is conducted much differently. So we're going to be talking about consumer bankruptcy today, chapter 7 or chapter 13 that's applicable to you and how that 341 takes place. So let's talk first about when the meeting of creditors takes place. The bankruptcy code is kind of silent on this in terms of giving exact dates or deadlines of when it has to happen. The code just simply says the 341 needs to happen within a reasonable time. Now, usually that meeting is going to happen somewhere between 30 or 40 days after you file the bankruptcy because you have to realize your creditors are going to have to get notice of the bankruptcy first. And that can take a week or two. And then the court wants to give those creditors time to either hire counsel or make time on their schedule to be available. So you're usually looking at about a month, somewhere around 30 to 40 days after you file. And it's going to happen usually um, between a Monday and a Friday, usually between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. most of the time. And that is whatever date is set for you. Typically, that's the date and time that's going to have to work for you. Now, if it doesn't work for you because some major conflict on your schedule, you can always file a motion to continue that date for another time. But it's kind of a pain to do that. The courts don't really like it. The trustees don't really like it. So typically... When you get that date and time, you need to try to make that work for you. Sometimes it won't. Sometimes you're going to have a conflict you just can't get around. Maybe you've got another court hearing at the same time. Maybe you're in the middle of a divorce and there's a hearing on that. Or maybe you've got a criminal case going on at the same time and you can't be there for that. Or you're testifying. Maybe you have jury duty. Um, something like that. Or your attorney disappears or your attorney dies and whatever the circumstance. If you can't make it, for your creditor meeting in particular, then uh, you may need to file a motion to continue that date. Most of the time, you're going to have about two weeks notice of that meeting. And so we really, you're going to really need to try to make that work with your schedule. So I used to tell people, you know, my clients, let's not file bankruptcy if you know you're going to be out of town sometime in the next 30 to 40 days, because it's not going to work. But we don't really do that anymore. And it doesn't matter so much anymore. Because at least in my jurisdiction in the District of Utah, all of these creditors meetings are now being held by Zoom. We were doing them by Zoom and telephone, and now they've all converted over to Zoom. And that is kind of the trend around the country 
There are some jurisdictions that are still doing them in person. So you need to check with your attorney to make sure you know, you know whether you have to appear in person or if you can participate by Zoom or by telephone. But for my clients in my jurisdiction now, it doesn't matter so much where they are as long as they've got access to the internet. I don't really care. They just need to be on that Zoom and know how to use Zoom for that meeting. Okay, so let's talk now about who is actually at the meeting of creditors. Who attends these 341s? There are a couple of key players, and the first one is you. If you're the one that filed bankruptcy, you must attend one of these meetings. If you fail to attend that meeting, the trustee is usually going to file a motion to dismiss your case. And if you don't object to that motion, set it for a hearing, and we'll have a hearing on that, the case is usually going to be dismissed, and you'll have to file a motion to vacate that dismissal, or you'll have to file another bankruptcy. And that's if you still want relief from your creditors. Now, maybe you've decided, I don't want to stay in this case, and so you just let it dismiss. But if you want to stay in the case, you'll have to file a motion to vacate. Or if it's already been dismissed, you may just end up filing a new bankruptcy case, which can be problematic. Now, in my office, we have our clients come into our office for the Zoom meeting. And the reason I do that is because then I'm sure they're here. And I've got the ability to have staff or myself help them if there's any technological issues with the Zoom meeting itself. All right, the next player that is going to be at the meeting of creditors is the trustee. Now, the trustee is usually an attorney that's been appointed by the court to oversee your case. And they will be the one conducting the meeting, asking your questions, and finding out more details about your case. This is not someone that you want to lie to or get on your bad side necessarily. You will likely be dealing with your trustee for some time for the next four to five months, or in the case of a Chapter 13, maybe the next five years. So good thing to just be on their good side. Do what you can to make that meeting go smoothly. Next to uh, the trustee and yourself appearing, finally, the creditors. All of your creditors received a notice of this meeting, and they have the opportunity to appear and ask you questions. Now, this can be just about any representative from your banks, credit card companies, etc. They don't have to hire an attorney to represent them. It just needs to be somebody from that entity representing the creditor. So let's talk about, uh, just briefly, interestingly enough, who does not come to a creditor's meeting? Well, the bankruptcy code is very interesting in this regards because it says specifically in it, nobody from the court may be present at your meeting. So this means a bankruptcy judge cannot be present at your meeting of creditors. And I've, I've never really seen this happen where one tried to be, but I did have one of my cases at one time where the issue did arise. I had a case where the trustee was getting a little bit ornery because I was advising my client not to answer specific questions due to his Fifth Amendment rights. And this specific trustee threatened to call a judge and bring the judge over to the meeting. To which I simply responded, well, you know, you can do that if you want, but you're going to have to explain how you get around the bankruptcy code, section 341C, that says you can't have anybody from the court here. So the trustee recognized I was correct on that issue and just moved on with the questions. But nobody from the court can actually be present at the hearing. Okay, well, let's talk about what actually happens at the creditor's meeting once you get there. First of all, you will probably not be the only person in your meeting of creditors. Most of the time, there's maybe five to 10 other debtors like yourself 
that are having their meeting at the same time. And that depends on the jurisdiction where you live and how many people file bankruptcy. In my jurisdiction, in the District of Utah, it's not uncommon at all to have, you know, eight to 10 other debtors scheduled at the same time within that same hour. So don't freak out if you get on your Zoom call or you show up to the room where they're having this meeting of creditors and you see all these other people there. Usually that means there's other debtors that are present at the same time as yours. Now, the first thing, first thing that's going to happen is that the trustee is going to swear you in before he or she starts asking you questions because, and you need to understand this, you are under oath at this meeting. So if you lie at this meeting, which is being recorded, a trustee may be able to refer your case over to the FBI for some kind of criminal prosecution for perjury or whatever else. They may be able to take other actions against you, and they've got it all on recording. So make sure you understand you are under oath at this meeting. So after the trustee puts you under oath, they're going to ask you some general questions. Usually the first thing they're going to ask you is they're going to ask you to identify yourself so that they can uh, establish that you are who is purported to be in the bankruptcy papers and they're not dealing with somebody else. So they'll ask you to identify yourself when they swear you in. I'm going to give you a hint, a very valuable hint, when you're answering questions from the trustee. And that is this. Number one, keep your answers short, sweet, simple, and to the point. Answer the question that's been asked. And I'm going to tell you now, yes and no can get you through most of this meeting. Once in a while, you'll have to give more detailed information, and that's fine. But try to keep your answers to yes and no as much as possible, and it will get you through the meeting. Some of the more common questions that a trustee will ask you that you need to be prepared for are questions like, are you the person that filed the petition in the bankruptcy? Did you read and sign all the documents before signing? Are you familiar with the information that's in those documents? Are there any changes you need to make in those documents? Now, here's another hint for you. If the trustee wants more detail, give it in as few of words as possible. And make sure you're using phrases like these. To the best of my knowledge, I think that's the case. I'm not 100% sure. Don't lock yourself in and bind yourself to an absolute answer because sometimes that can be used against you later. If you're not 100% sure of an answer, let the trustee know that. I'm not sure or to the best of my knowledge. Okay, after the trustee asks you the standard questions and whatever other specific questions they have, they're going to give creditors the opportunity to question you. Now, most of the same advice I just mentioned earlier applies to creditors as well. Keeping those answers short, sweet, simple, and to the point. Because it's usually with the creditors asking questions where things can really go a little haywire in a meeting of creditors. Now, if you think you might have an aggressive creditor, like maybe it's an ex-spouse, um, customers of yours, or employees of your business, you're going to want an attorney by your side at your 341. My personal opinion is you're going to want an attorney by your side throughout this process no matter what. But you'll find that to be true, especially at your meeting of creditors if you have an aggressive uh, trustee or aggressive creditors. Your attorney needs to be there so that your attorney can object to certain questions. Now, if you or your attorney fail to object to a question, 
it can have pretty bad consequences later. Your attorney needs to be able to object and then have you answer that question so that you can preserve your objection. You may have to argue that later in the court, but at least you've preserved your objection. So that's why it's important to have an attorney with you in that. Now, some creditors will go on and on and on with their questions about you. In fact, some of them will use the meeting of creditors as an avenue for them to really do what they are trying, which is a deposition. Generally speaking, when that happens and they start droning on and on, the trustee will usually intervene at that point. The trustee should jump in and say, hey, look, you know, it's been long enough. I've got to get through another six or eight cases before this hour is over. And when they do that, they may ask the creditor to set what's called a 2004 examination. And in a 2004 examination, that is just you and the creditor and sometimes the trustee. And it gives that creditor the opportunity to ask you much more specific questions about your case. But a trustee should intervene anytime that 341 is going on too long and give the creditor the opportunity to do a 2004 examination. Now, they have to go to the court and get an order telling them they can do this, and then you do have to show up for it. And you are under oath again, and they'll ask you more questions. Now, why do we call it a 2004 examination? Because it falls under Bankruptcy Rule 2004, and that discusses the rights of a party to ask you questions more thoroughly. Now, we're going to talk more about 2004 examinations in a future episode, but just be advised, if you are ever in a situation where you have a 2004 examination coming up, don't go into that without an attorney. Even if you have filed a bankruptcy on your own pro se and you've made it this far through the process, if there is a 2004 examination, hire an attorney at that point to help you through that. Now, those are some of the basic things about a 341 that you can expect. Uh, I'm going to give you a little bit more general information. The average 341 should usually only take somewhere between three and six minutes. Now, if you have a business or if you've recently been divorced or you've transferred assets recently to someone else, you've sold a car or you've sold a house or something like that, you've got other assets, um, your 341 may take a little bit longer, so be prepared for that. Another little hint here is that if you talk too much, your 341 is going to take a lot longer. So remember that advice I gave you to keep that thing short, sweet, simple, and to the point, and it will get you out of there much faster. Now, go into your creditors meeting knowing this, okay? Most trustees that you run into are very respectful. They're very kind, and they're professional. Every once in a while, you will run into a trustee that is not those things. And that's why you're going to want an attorney with you at your 341. Keep those answers short, keep them simple, answer only what is asked, and you should be able to get through this 341 pretty easily. If you follow that advice, your 341 really shouldn't be anything to get stressed out about. So those are some of your basics about your meeting of creditors, otherwise known as a 341. Hopefully I've helped you reduce a little bit of the stress as you're going into your 341, knowing it's not too big of a deal, especially if you have an attorney on your side. 
Thank you for joining us on this podcast. If you've got more questions about what we've talked about on the 341 on Bankruptcy 101, reach out to a bankruptcy attorney in your area. If you're in the state of Utah, reach out to me. I'm bankruptcy attorney Roger Kraft and your host of Bankruptcy 101.